Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running from networks and security to communications and 24-7 support. Our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business. Blackfoot, connect to more. Now from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Welcome back. Tutel Nuanez, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Outstanding to be with all of you. Happy hour number two to you. If you've missed anything in the first hour, you can check it out on the podcast. The podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. The podcast is available all the time on all your favorite podcasting platforms thanks to Blackfoot Communications and Alpine Touch. Uh, if you are watching us on SWX Television or on the YouTube, to tell anyone his YouTube channel, uh, you're watching Coulter grin like a schoolgirl because why? Somebody's just posted notes on our windows that are surrounding us here. You look good and you're doing great. Whether those are lies or not, it's nice to have somebody take the time to make a poster for us. Liz never lies, man. I was just motioning for our better-looking coworkers to come in here. I really wanted Tommy to come in here, mm. you know, flex it out. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, Tommy, between his work on the trail and his work on ESPN, is maybe the... Uh, I think that there's probably more perceptions of what Tommy Evans looks like that are incorrect in the city of Missoula than any other person. I would agree. I never forget when we were in Uber one time and Tommy was talking to the guy. And he said, oh, yeah, we are got the trail. The guy's like... You're Tommy from the trail. Most he's people, like, I thought you were fifty. Most, and Tommy's in fact twelve. The the, the 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 issue is that with a name Tommy, people don't think that you're an eighty year old woman. You know, but there he is. 
defying perceptions left and right. It's our friend Tom. When you listen to him on the radio, he could be anything. He could be your grandpa's age. He could be 12. Hey, if if you want to listen live on the stream, you can do that on our website, 1029ESPN.com. You listen live all the time. Thanks to our friends at Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. It is time for our ESPN Roundtable. It is presented by Paradise Falls. And this week, very happy to bring you a conversation that we had with Don Wetzel Sr., former University of Montana men's basketball player from the late 60s and early 70s, and also his son, Ryan Wetzel. Again, great basketball player in his own right. Uh, And it is a conversation about the playing days of Don Sr., both as a high schooler, some great stories from him in Cutbank and uh, and on the Blackfeet Reservation, and then also as a member of the University of Montana uh, men's basketball team, and also their relationship to uh, uh, Walter Blackie Wetzel, who is the grandfather of Ryan, the father of Don, and was a, uh, a representative uh, a dignitary from the Blackfeet Nation to uh, the United States government, to Congress uh, for uh, many years, and also had a direct influence with the logo that the Washington football team ended up using and has now uh, chosen to to uh, replace and move on from. So we had a conversation with them uh, a couple of days ago about all of this stuff. I think you'll find it really, really really engaging, interesting, and informative. Please enjoy this week's ESPN Roundtable with Don Wetzel Sr. and Ryan Wetzel. Well, we're very happy now to be joined by uh, a couple of guests here on the show. Don Wetzel Sr., who uh, played for the University of Montana Grizzly men's basketball team in the late 60s and early 70s out of Cutbank, Montana, one of the great, great basketball players for the Montana Grizzlies, and Ryan Wetzel as well, his son, who is a friend of the show, I think I could say, Ryan, at this point. We're happy to have you back on as well, but a lot of stuff to cover here. Uh, this is, uh, we're, we're excited to have you here on the roundtable because this is an exciting uh, a story. I know it's a difficult story at times, but also a story that for folks who don't really understand everything that has gone into the the Washington football team's logo and icon that they have used, uh, you know, most recently and has been part of not just the Blackfeet Nation, but your family specifically, uh, uh, Ryan and Don, we wanted to delve into that stuff and also talk about, you know, the, the playing basketball back in the 60s and the 70s in the state of Montana and coming from Cutbank to Missoula and what that was like, Don. So we wanted to cover all that stuff, but we appreciate you being here. How are you both? We're doing great, yeah. Ryan. We appreciate you uh, having us come on. Uh, you know, just thankful to, to be able to have an opportunity to kind of let Dad share his insight on everything and, you know, me here to just kind of ride along and, and also share a little bit on my end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, let's start with the basketball stuff. Uh, obviously, a tremendous basketball playing family, and Ryan, you're you know a great player over the years as well. But Don, you uh, you were outstanding in your time as a player, both at Cutbank, a state champion there, and then also uh, with the Montana Grizzlies, four years uh, spent uh, at the University of Montana. I believe it was sixty eight to seventy one, something in there, if I've got my numbers about right. As well as being the your senior, you're the MVP of the team. What was it like for you at that time? How did you get the basketball bug? What was it that that, that game got into you? Because you were good at a lot of sports, Don. Well, you know, I I, um, I think being um, I, I was raised on uh, the uh, Blackfeet Reservation, a place they call Seville Flats, 
and um, pretty desolate country. And we had three buildings there and growing up, um, I built a uh, gym in a little granary I had and um, started shooting a, a little ball into a, um, I believe it was a commodity tomato, U.S. commodity tomato can <laughs> that I cut out. <laughs> and I had a little fun, <laughs> a little ball, and I'd, I'd, I'd spend seven, eight hours a day out there, and pretty soon, um, you know, I would I would uh, use everything. Uh, we we as a family, and you know, go up to the old chicken coop. My mom provided me with those little um, goofy balls, and she made me throw the ball off the chicken coop. And I had this glove, and I'd have to try and chase that thing down. Now that's that's pretty cool when you're about six years old, and. So every part of the um, the the homestead, we even built a baseball field, and friends from Cup Bank would all come out and play wiffle ball at the old ranch. And um, so I I had a liking, um, especially for basketball, because I would spend hours in that gym, and I knew every. One of my favorite players was um, Will Chamberlain, just because of his jump hook and his floater, who I stole from Will Chamberlain. But I knew them all out there, and I'd keep score, and then I'd figure out a game. Uh, I'd play my left hand against my right hand, taking me about two hours. So, you know, I, I grew up... Um, with uh, really not much to do but finding a lot of stuff to do with, and, the, and the ball was a big part of that, I guess. Yeah, that's good. Don, yeah. I, I find I find the connection between uh, Native American culture, particularly in the state of Montana and the sport of basketball to be fascinating. I remember when I first moved to Montana back in 1993, one of the first Sports Illustrateds I ever got was the iconic Sports Illustrated that had Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson on the cover for the Dream Team, but it had an article in that Sports Illustrated called Shadows of a Nation by Gary Smith, one of the great sports stories, in my opinion, ever written. It was all about basketball on the Indian reservations in Montana. I think you actually might have even been mentioned in the story, but the primary character, Jonathan, takes enemy. But he t- I mean, they talked yeah. about Elvis Old Bull and, and a lot of the, the legendary uh, Indian basketball players in the state of Montana. Why is that? What, what do you think the connection is between uh, the, the culture that you grew up in on the reservation and the sport of basketball? Well, you know, um, the sport of, you know, if you go, if you look back in history, like the Mayans, and you go back a long way, 25,000 years, and and the Mayans had a game where they actually had a hoop and had a ball and shot it in that hoop. And so the ball and the Indian traditions uh, have been together for a long time and, and 
he, uh, Naismith invented the game of basketball, of course. But if you read his history, his his favorite sport was uh, lacrosse. And he wanted to find a, an indoor game, I guess, to to play. And he loved the ball and the hoop. And he read all that Indian history on how the Indians did use that in, in, a, in a lot of our traditions. So it's been there. Don Wetzel joining us along with his son Ryan here on the ESPN Roundtable. And uh, Don, a great, great basketball player, both at the high school level at Cutbank and then for the Montana Grizzlies uh, as well. And I wanted, I heard this. Now, you tell me if this is true, Don. You broke into the gym in Cutbank. You had to actually do B and E to get in there so that you could go play basketball and work out like maybe when it was cold out and stuff. Is this true? Yeah, but the best part is um, I'd have to go to, we had train tracks about, I'd say, a mile from my house before we got to the main highway. And those trains had to stop there at an old granary. And every now and then, I could hook one of them in the cut bank. And... (laughs) Come flying off like a crazy man as I cross that bridge, but no, you know what? It, it yeah, I did break in the gyms, <laughs> and uh, they couldn't keep me out. You know, <laughs> the cops would come and run my ass out of there. But then I go break in the big gym, and and the thing is, um, there's a couple times that I I slept. This is crazy, man. I did sleep in the gym a few times and so I could get up and start firing that ball, see? But yeah, I did that. And at the University of Montana, at my floor, uh, I had some wild athletes on my floor and if it got too out of hand, I would actually go sleep in the old Dahlberg gym uh, locker room. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's remarkable, and for for what you became as a basketball player, maybe it's no surprise the dedication that you had and the love. I mean, at this point, it's nothing. You have to say it's not just dedication. It's not motivation. It is love for the game of basketball that you had uh, that would would push you to go work as hard as you did and just stay on it the way you did. Get, tell us quickly, what, what do you remember about your time at the University of Montana? What was it like playing for the Grizzlies at that time? Uh, you know, for you, and obviously a very successful and unbelievable career that you had at Montana. Well, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I hurt my knee in 19... Uh, well, we, we were heading in the last conference game, and I popped my knee, and it was a bad knee injury. So I went to you and um, played on a freshman team, and, and well, I should have been playing. I, I might have been redshirted at that time because after every practice and every other game, I'd have to get my knee aspirated. And that Dr. Curry at you, you know, he'd just be waiting for me and pull that stuff out of my knee, and I just kept going with probably should have took some time off, uh, but I I didn't. 
So I played hard for them. And, and one of the things that um, was very, um, I talked to an old friend of mine who played on the team. It was the fact that, you know, we all signed on to play for Ron Nord. Uh, Ron Nord had great attitude and smart man. Then he quits. Uh, so we went through three head coaches in my four years there. And God, I went from shooting guard to, to point guard. I'm going to give you an incident that happened that I think you guys got to know. We had an awful good team when I was a sophomore. Uh, I was playing opposite a guard by the name of Harold Ross. And Harold Ross was from Seattle and was one of the best players I ever played with. And we go down to Utah. He outguns old Mike Newland, you know, 38 to 39 points, some damn thing like that. And I broke my nose and because I tried to guard that monster, that Newland. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, we had a guy by the name of Henry Saunders, a black kid. He goes downtown uh, over Christmas, I believe. We had to practice. And he gets caught. I don't know how to say this. Shoplifting. Yeah. And so he said he didn't do it. Blah, blah, blah. The whole thing goes. And all of a sudden, we lose uh, Harold Ross. I think uh, Willie, Willie, I can't remember. But we lost four damn good players who walked off that team. And Harold Ross was one of them. And you don't hear much of that, that protest. And I think we had a shot at Weaver State that year. And uh, after that happened, it collapsed. Because Ross was a guy keeping us going. He could find me. I never had a guy find me open like that. So that, that was devastating, man. And uh, a lot of the kids quit, but there was shit we stuck on. I think old Ray Howard was playing with me, but we didn't win that many games. But, boy, um, that crew that ended the seniors all had heart, man. I mean, because it was a rough goal. Yeah. 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 No doubt. Well, we, we appreciate the memory, and it's good to have stories that we haven't heard before that we're not familiar with and understand some of what took place at that time. We appreciate that, Don. Ryan, yeah. I want to ask you about yeah. some, hearing some of these old school stories because I think one of the, uh, the great parts of, of Native culture in general is just the way that the stories are passed down. And anybody that follows... Ba- Native basketball in Montana. They they know the stories of all the legends that came before them and all the guys that are contemporaries now. But when you were growing up, you know, w- with the prestige your dad had, but also just how many great basketball players there have been from the reservations in Montana, how did that influence you? And what sort of um, way did that help pave a path for, for your basketball, uh, your life in basketball? Well, it was pretty easy. I had 
I was surrounded by a bunch of great athletes, you know, my, my siblings, my dad, my uncles, you know, my grandfather, you know, a lot of people don't know my great uncle's uh, Hall of Famer at the University of Western, Jess Wetzel. And, you know, he's he's one of those kind of guys you, you don't hear too much on, but, you know, it's just another one of those guys, part of that legacy. And, you know, and then just for me coming up, my dad would always be coaching, so we'd have guys, you know, I knew Chris Boya, Kurt Walker, you know, all these UM legends back when they were in middle school because um, they were the same age as my older brother Donnie Jr. So, you know, these guys were staying at our house all summer long going to tournaments and stuff when I'm, you know, five, six, seven years old. And then, you know, with guys coming on the scene like J.R. Camel, he was just one of those guys in my kind of generation where how athletic he was, how quick he got to the rim, uh, coming straight from the res. Uh, he just popped up and here he went. And, you know, that was one of my guys kind of where I was like, holy crap, this guy's got the game. You know, he knows, he knows how to play. And so it was just, it was just all part of that accumulation of things. And then just constantly being around just standout players from the state of Montana and the reservations. I mean, I could go on and on. We've seen some of the uh, best basketball teams in the state, even still now, uh, teams with with uh, a bunch of Native American guys or, or even teams from reservations. I mean, Harden was a mini dynasty in Class A last couple of years. But Browning's been really good. Lodgegrass has been really good. R. Lee obviously had their phenomenal run, playing in three straight state championships, winning back-to-back. Do you feel like the legends of the past still resonate with kids of today? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. You go into any of these gyms throughout the reservations, you mention certain names and people will get it right away. Even the surrounding communities to these reservations. Um, you know, it was always fun to see, you know, when a Harden would roll into town back in my day at Billings Central, they'd be playing, you know, Billings West and half the gym was crows from crow country. And, you know, you just watch out, you know, class A school come into these double-A powerhouses with you know, nothing but res ball, run and gun, and, and it was just highlight after highlight. And you would hear people echoing, oh, man, it looked like, you know, George Yellow Eyes or, of course, Elvis Old Bull. You got David Bell up from Fort Belknap, um, Richard Dion from Poplar, Montana, won two uh, world titles with the CBA, uh, Yakima Sun Kings, you know, you got these kids that get to look up to these kind of guys and, and the culture of basketball and the reservation is, is about as strong as it gets, you know, with this hardened team and, and lodge grass teams and Browning and, you know, Rocky boy and box elder. I mean, you could just go on and on how, how many wonderful basketball programs are out there right now in Montana reservation. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> it's it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house, and I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I actually think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short, 
everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana, Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices... Uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Ryan Wetzel and Don Wetzel Sr. joining us on the ESPN Roundtable. And we've talked a lot of basketball, guys, but there's uh, uh, another topic of conversation here that we need to get to, and that is uh, what has gone on recently here with the the now Washington football team and the icon that they have had uh, for years now, which is n- not just uh, uh, an icon from or a logo from the Blackfeet Indian tribe, but actually from your family, your your uh, paternal lineage, uh, Ryan and Don. And Don, I know that this has been something that has been uh, near and dear to your heart, that this has been something uh, that, that has been a source, I think, of great pride and also of, of of, of consternation at times as well and for us on the outside we don't really know all the insight of what's going on and how things have you know progressed both with the you know the logo in the first place how it came to be and now with its removal and what that has what that has been and you guys know this firsthand so tell us tell us about this story and 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 how this logo came to be part of the nfl and the in the, uh, the washington franchise okay i'm gonna let ryan Hit that. Yeah. No, and, you know, the story's already been kind of reiterated out there and told in, in various dynamics, but the important thing is to know is the the prestige and the level of, of knowledge and, and gratitude of, of my grandpa, Walter Blackie Wetzel. The guy is a real deal. He was, he was so charming, charismatic, and he just had a, a vision. He was a visionary. And, you know, back in that time, a lot of people didn't know, you know, American Indians as citizens weren't really, uh, they weren't um, um, considered even right. in that time. And it was a challenge for, for, for Indian people to be recognized. And for Grandpa, you know, his whole push was to help Indian country. Uh, he was a bridge builder. Non-native and native all had nothing but wonderful things to say about him. And for him to step in the scene and do what he did politically, climbing the ladder so quick, becoming friends of Robert Kennedy. Uh, We're talking friends of John F. Kennedy, our president. Uh, We got pictures hanging in our houses of him and hanging out with Lyndon Johnson. Um, But, you know, even going farther back, he was a three-sport standout at the University of Montana. You know, grew up right there in Browning, Montana, tough life. But to climb the ladder and be where he's at, to finding this this profile of this Indian and going in and, and saying to the Redskins organization, this is what I'd like you to put on that helmet instead of this R. If you could put this on here, this profile of a, of a warrior, you know, that is what I would like to see done if you're representing my people. And... 
he did it. And that, that right there and that story for our family has been so cherished, so loved and, and appreciated. Nothing to do really with the name part of it, but more so the logo. And that's where the conflict always would happen is you'd hear Wetzel name, logo, and then the name would get tossed into the mix with that Redskins name. And it was never our our deal on that end. It was just the logo. Blackie was a good, humble, powerful man. And... Um and he didn't have a single enemy. You know, I wanted to state that. No. He didn't care what color, what... I mean, I guys, I ran into... Um, John Lewis had just passed away, the activist. Yeah. Yeah. My cousin and I were coming back from D.C., and John Lewis was walking with his security guards to the to the airport, or the terminal, and, and I go, geez, and I look at my cousin, I say, look, that's John Lewis, man. And we go over there, we start shooting the breeze with him, and... I mentioned Grandpa's name. I said, do you ever hear of a Walter Blackie Wetzel? Because Grandpa told the story of when he was in D.C. over the Million Man March. And Martin Luther King met with him and said, you Native Americans need to come with us and march. And, and Grandpa said it wasn't it wasn't his time to lead his people. And, and so I mentioned that story to John Lewis. And John Lewis, when I said, you know Blackie Wetzel and explained who he was, he looked at me and goes, I remember him. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. Hmm. <laughs> so that's the kind of guy he was. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, he, he, my dad, um, that logo has been on there 40 some years, 48, I think somebody said. But, you know, the Redskin name goes back about 150 years. And, you know, it goes through, it goes through the town of Boston. It goes. Uh, somebody said, one of the Redskins uh, people had told me that, well, you know, uh, Jim Thorpe, uh, Samson Bird, who happens to be my cousin, who played for Carlisle, that Jim Thorpe was involved in, well, all that's BS, you know. Not, I mean, so that Redskin name goes way back. And... Um, the logo is is just forty two years old, and that and that puts us kind of in it. I don't think it, the Redskin name bothered my father because I I saw an old junior high photo of a uh, I won't say the town, but it's way back in fifty something that the name of them were the Redskins, and um, so I don't think he Blackie just went went. He, he wanted that logo basically to unite the red nation, to unite Indian people with the circle. Everything's involved in that. You know, when when this story first broke, and we know that there's been talk and, and even pressure put on for Daniel Snyder to change the name, to change the logo perhaps over the years, and he's never really done it. Then all of a sudden, you know, the winds of change or whatever, you're in all of a sudden in, in like, you know, a week, all of a sudden it's just gone and it's all taken down. And Coulter and I, when that, that first happened, had this very, you know, 
this this duplicitous, I guess, kind of conversation where when you take a look at the name, you can certainly understand why or where that would be something that you, you maybe want to or should change. And, but then also that the, the logo and the image that was used always felt so very respectable and so, uh, you know, as as a great icon and and an an homage to uh you know to the blackfeet but also to native americans in general nationwide is that how you see that or how do you feel about that in general in terms of the way that this progressed in the last you know month you know i think it's really important to emphasize that you know we had you know our whole support for grandpa was 100 percent just of what he accomplished the name thing, we can we can understand that to a degree. Um, but the important thing, too, is, you know, we wish there was a little bit more consideration of involving the heads of Walter Blackie Wetzel, the head of his estate, his family members, myself and my dad, and some other members. You know, just being even just informed, hey, you know, if, if we would have heard something, if there was something along the lines of, hey, this is what's coming down the pipeline, we, we are so thankful for what, you know, your grandfather did for the Indian people, for the Redskins organization, you know, just any type of, you know, involvement on that end would have been really appreciated. But the way that it was handled and how quick it went, it was, it was kind of heartbreaking because, you know, they're still the living children of this man who have accomplished great things and, and had inspiration because of their dad and, and to have it just go and boom, it's gone and see you later and, and no kind of regard on that end. It was, it's been a little bit hard. And know, so, and Don, so nobody from the franchise or from the organization ever reached out to you or anybody else in your family about this during this process. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you something about those Redskins. Um, I uh, I wasn't doing very well, and I went back in 2014, and, and I saw some things, and uh, me and my son Christian spotted them. Uh, the next time we went out, I sent Ryan, but no, they, look, man, you got this guy, and all of a sudden, he's sitting there, and he says, hey, that's my logo on there. That's that's my chief, is what he said. And hey, look, they're using it. And so all that transpires, and uh, you got to hear my Uncle Earl's oral review on that because it's really good, Dr. Earl Barlow, but we'll get into that. But then, then within two weeks, he received. Um, I believe three, four helmets mm-hmm. and um, a garbage can that was yellow that had the R on it. That was the old R that Lombardi put on there. So they haven't even sent anybody to his funeral. Finally, I wrote them when my brother Mike died. I said, you sons of bitches, it, it could bring this drinking Trinkets and beads, bullshit. You know, sending us this, these helmets and all that. And I says, when Mike died, I says, don't send us another helmet. If I see one of them, I'm going to fire it right back to you. 
So that that's kind of where it's at. You know, there's there's that upset of just not really concluding in the right way. It's just no. taken and, and then used and then just kind of thrown away after all these years with no kind of regard for, for my dad. And his it it, it sort of feels like take a number, right? Like, okay, we got the thing we needed. Here's a, here's a helmet. Have a nice day. You know, and but no actual yeah. Yeah. consideration about what you know what this means to the group of people who brought it to them. Yeah, and the thing is, yeah. real quick is, is you know, last year the boarding school kid and their stories. You know, he didn't go to boarding school at five, as one of my relatives have said. He lived with relatives at the boarding school, Cup Bank Boarding School. But Blackie has got a heck of a story for somebody like Clint Eastwood to grab onto. And I'll tell you why. The boarding school system was set to take the Indian out of the Indians and make us white and make us farmers and all that. So here's old Blackie. They put him in boarding school. He's 12 years old and he's at Haskell. Uh, educational facility in Lawrence, Kansas, and he escapes from there, gets a freight train and another buddy, and ride that freight all the way to Laurel, Montana, and home. Black like years, 12 years old. Wow. That's gonna be some character right there. Some drive. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it is really amazing. And the way he climbed through getting the National Congress of American Indians presidency is an unbelievable read for any judge, any politician, any of these highfalutin junior Trump guys. Read how that guy got that presidency, right, Ryan? Well, I understand the dynamic uh, between your family and, and the, um, it seems to me, disrespect that they've showed you guys or, or maybe just lack of engagement whatsoever. Uh, but just from a broad perspective, I mean, th- to me, what has gone on recently uh, is the culmination of a bunch of events that are both, I think, uh, positive for the United States of America, but also not as well. You know, t- the, the Redskins yeah. name itself has been controversial for decades and uh, i think yeah. that the logo itself has been on one hand a great homage uh, to your culture but on the other hand uh, something that's been debated widely as well but to me the only reason that the ownership of the washington redskins changed a thing was because of money and because of the climate that we're currently living in and i think the climate that's pushing for change is good but the obsession with money is is horrendous, and I think that that's a very sad truth in terms of the the changes that they made. So, I mean, you guys want to be honored you as a family, it. no you question. But what do you, you think of just the removal of the logo and the changing of the name in general? You know, again, I think that change is, is good. It's inevitable. Um, you know, from from my perspective, I kind of saw this coming i didn't see it as quick but again you know things change you move on um from that aspect it is it is 
what it is. Um, but for, for the family in the relatable sense of that logo and hearing that it's going to be retired and, you know, to what, to what level, or, you know, he had stated that it'd be in limbo. And it's, it's unfortunate to think that something that was so, you know, strong and, and amazing, uh, represented the, the, the red nation, um, for that to be removed and gone, you know, that again, as part of that, well, darn it, there goes this opportunity to, you know, continue to represent the red nation in, in a sense of good, strong strength. Um, we still, we're still here. We exist, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it is, it is unfortunate from that regard to see this thing change. Well, Don and Ryan, we really appreciate your time. Uh, we are, are so grateful for the stories, for the history uh, that you brought us here today and, and that your family has brought uh, to the country in many ways. And we're, we're really grateful for that. Uh, we wish you the best as you go here. We know that you know, this is this is sort of a chapter is closed, but it's an ongoing conversation and an ongoing, uh, um, you know, scenario. And, and we wish you the best in all of that. And thanks again so much for being with us here today and sharing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you guys very much for taking the time to visit. Yeah, much appreciate appreciated. it. Yeah. yeah. We appreciate you guys, Don Wetzel Sr. and Ryan Wetzel. Really, uh, what a compelling conversation. We'll have that aired for you again tomorrow in the noon hour on ESPN Radio. And, of course, you can catch it on the podcast as well. The ESPN Roundtable is presented by Paradise Falls, Coulter Paradise Falls on the south end of Missoula near the intersection of Brooks and Reserve at 3621 Brook Street. A great spot to eat anytime breakfast lunch and dinner indoors outdoors you got the patio going on you know i love sitting out there on the patio gone down there with the family got down there by myself they got a regular happy hour a late happy hour put it like this if you want it and it's food or drink you got it paradise falls sports betting now at paradise falls montana sports betting app is uh Live and ready to roll at Paradise Falls. If those aren't familiar with the Montana Sports Betting app, you got to be in a geofenced place where that offers sports gambling. That's so right. you got to make the bets from Paradise Falls. So physically in the place. They got it. If you want some betting advice, go check out the Make It Rainy podcast. Paradise Falls, proud sponsor of the Make It Rainy podcast as well. You and I guests on the Make It Rainy That's podcast right. this week. But uh, I can't think of a better time to go chill and, and uh, make some bets because there's NBA on starting... Around lunchtime. So you can go have right. lunch. You can watch some NBA. You can go have early happy hour, dinner, late happy hour. Spell you up. Sit there all day, all night. And don't just put this on yourself. There is baseball and NHL, too, because there's plenty of people interested in that. Thank you very much. Your co-host is one. Yeah, you can go bet those sports, too. <laughs> uh, Paradise Falls offering sports gambling, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 18 draft beers, 30 big screen TVs. One of the best sports watching experiences and one of the best dining experiences all in Missoula. 3621 Brook Street on the south side of town. Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. If you'd like to do a wing at Wednesday, give us a call. 361-3688. 361-3688, the phone number. We got some trivia for you. We'll do that right after this. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business. Blackfoot, connect to more.
So our round table went long. So we apologize to James. We have to push the wing it Wednesday because we got to get through this here a little bit. Sutel Nuwana is 1029 ESPN Radio. And so we have to have a short conversation. And in order to have a short conversation with Coulter, it has to be about hockey. And so we're going to have this very short conversation right here, right now. The NHL, in the playoffs only, there is no change to the game. The playoffs started, right? Playoffs have begun. In fact, when they reconvened, that was the playoffs. So they expanded the playoffs, and now we are into the second round of the playoffs, but we're it's the round that looks like the normal first round of the playoffs looks, with 16 teams, one through eight seeds, eight playing one, two versus seven, etc. Yesterday in the first game of those playoffs, the second-seeded Tampa Bay Lightning played the seventh-seeded Columbus Blue Jackets, and it went five overtimes, okay? Now, in the playoffs, boys and girls, you just keep re-racking 20-minute periods. So they played three 20-minute periods, then played four more full 20-minute periods, and then about a half of a fifth overtime before they got a goal. And that brings on, of course, the people who are saying, hey, when is enough enough? When are we going to change the postseason overtime as well to shorten the game? Uh, I say to that, absolutely not. Now, I understand why you do it in the regular season because you can't be out there playing essentially three games in a night back-to-back-to-back to to get a deal. But part of the glory and beauty of hockey is twofold. One is the true exhaustion that goes into a full Stanley Cup playoff, which is greater, physically speaking, than the other sports. And two, that you are in fact playing hockey, which is more than you can say for football or anything else, uh, especially college football in its in, in 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 the overtime period. Basketball is still basketball. It's just shortened periods, which is fine. This is a different sport. But anything that changes, it's certainly not a shootout. But you talk about going to four on four or three on three. It ain't hockey anymore. When you're playing for the Stanley Cup, you just have to play hockey till the end. That's my view. Great take. I agree. That was easy. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right. Golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. And just recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high-quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top-of-mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a 1,000 of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they're talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. Welcome back to 
to Tell Me Wanna's 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Hi. Good to be with all of you. We appreciate you out there. Uh, if you missed anything in the show, listen on the podcast. The podcast available all the time, wherever you get your podcasts, on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Rate, review, subscribe to Tell Me Wanna's podcast when you want it. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications and Alpine Touch. Uh, Coulter, we didn't get to your questions with a caller, so we're going to get to your questions with me. Let's hear some trivia and let's see what I got. Who holds the NBA record for the most MVPs won in a career with six? Wilt? Kareem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm, okay. Two as Luel Cinder, four as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. Very good. The person that doesn't get enough run in the conversation is the GOAT. Who is the youngest MVP in NBA history after winning the award at age 22 in 2010? 2010. 2010. Um, I don't think it's Steph. It's not. What do you got? Derrick Rose. Hmm. Right. LeBron would have won an NBA record five NBA's MVPs in a row had the voters got it right. Yeah. Players have won back-to-back Most Valuable Player Awards in the NBA 11 times in the league's history. Name one player to win consecutive MVP awards. Well, LeBron. LeBron uh, James won consecutive MVP awards two different occasions. So two of the 11 times LeBron James won the MVP. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan won back-to-back MVPs in 1991, 91, 92. Kareem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar went back-to-back 1975, 76, 76, 77. Um, so we're, we got four of the 11, and, and two of those are credited to... to Yep, uh, LeBron. Uh, did did no no no? I don't know. There's a lot of guys who who kind of won one and then didn't win one again for a while, or who only won one. Like, how about Shaquille? Did he go back to back? Shaquille only has one MVP. He only has as one. does Kobe Bryant, which yeah. is crazy. It is crazy. Uh, what Steph only's got one, right? Two. Back-to-back. He does have two back. Okay, Steph, Steph Curry's the most recent back to back MVP. Um, I don't know. Who else? Bill Russell won three straight to start off the 60s. Wilt Chamberlain won three straight to end the 60s. Um, Moses Malone went back-to-back in 81-82. Larry Bird went back-to-back. Actually, Larry Bird went three in a row. Larry Bird, Wilt Chamberlain, and Bill Russell, the only players in league history to win three consecutive MVPs. Magic Johnson went back-to-back. He got that one. Michael Jordan. Uh, Tim Duncan went back-to-back. And perhaps the most anomalous back-to-back MVP in the history of the NBA, the only Canadian winner of the MVP, won Steve Steve Nash. Nash. Yeah, okay, very good. Uh, Speaking of the NBA, we got NBA for you tonight on ESPN Radio. Half an hour from now, we'll send you to the bubble for pregame and then a tip, 7 o'clock, the Clippers and Nuggets playing basketball uh, this evening. So enjoy that on ESPN Radio. We will be back with you tomorrow forward to having a nice Thursday with everybody out there in the world. We will get to Coulter's NFL playing games on five nights a week potentially of this forthcoming year. You know what I say to that? Absolutely. Boys and girls, have a wonderful Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow. It's ESPN Radio. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat 
Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.